Hi, and welcome to episode 116 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. Well, here in Sydney, we've just seen the end of a three-month lockdown with Victoria not far behind. And with many restrictions lifted, I feel a tentative optimism in the air. And there's a lot to be excited about. Galleries all around Sydney are reopening their doors and this week I was lucky enough to get to Fox Jensen Gallery which is exhibiting Aida Tomescu's show A Long Line of Sand. Aida Tomescu is undoubtedly one of Australia's greatest abstract painters and this astonishing exhibition is just one of three significant shows of her work all within a few weeks of each other. She's currently exhibiting also in Hong Kong with Flowers Gallery and in December what promises to be a blockbuster show of her work opens at the recently extended Orange Regional Gallery. It will look at her latest large works and how they connect to a group of key paintings and etchings from the past 20 years. So with all this happening, I wanted to post something exciting on social media. And so I went back to some uncut footage I'd taken in the lead up to Aida's 2019 show with Fox Jensen Gallery when I made a short video about that show. And I realised how many timeless gems were in that conversation, which I had never published. And I thought with everything happening at the moment, this would be the perfect time to put out an episode of that complete recording. I'm also going to be uploading a video of this conversation on the YouTube channel in a few weeks. So if you're listening after about mid-November 2021, I'll have a link to that video in the show notes and on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Aida has previously been a guest on the podcast and if you go to episode 33, you'll hear the amazing story of her life where we talk about her childhood in post-war communist Romania, her arrival in Sydney alone, not knowing a soul, and how she went on from there to become one of the most celebrated artists in Australia. So we recorded this conversation in Aida's studio, surrounded by these large dramatic works in maroons and magentas and whites, which would shortly be on their way to the gallery. And I filmed Aida standing in front of a stunning triptych called Sewn Onto the Stones in the Sky. And that work, unsurprisingly, has since been acquired by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. And she talks in this episode about her approach when creating that work. You can see an image of that triptych on the website as well as images of works from her current shows and details of those exhibitions. Because my intention with this recording was to make a video without my comments included, you'll notice I speak a little less than usual in this interview, although I still throw in a question every now and again. So here's Aida Tomescu, uncut from our conversation in August 2019. Congratulations on this latest body of work, Aida. And I wanted to talk in particular about this work that's behind you, which is a triptych, and it's called um, Sewn Into the Stones in the Sky, uh, which is an intriguing title. I noticed that a lot of the titles contain sort of references to the natural world, like sky, snow, stones. Is, is that something that influences you, the natural world in your work? Uh, paintings turn to the wall, they absorb what's around um, and, and they absorb um, from the events in the world. So the natural world, but also the events in the world. You cannot, uh, you cannot remove a painting. You, if, if anything, you want the painting to have a reality check of today. You want it to be grounded uh, um, in, in, what's, in what's happening. And, and though it is not um, obvious with my work, um, it has to come from... Um, it has to 
it has to connect to a reality. It goes in search of its own. It has to travel the distance to, towards its own reality. But, but uh, it has to, um, well, inevitably, even if I don't want to, they turn, they turn to what's around, they absorb what's around. It is the job of a painting to do that. The important thing about them is not the way they paint it. It's not the paint, it's not the texture. Um, and sure, I'm aware that uh, I'm building them and I have the energy units that I, I'm locating in space um, and I'm uh, creating depth. Uh, but, the more, but that won't do anything unless I have a clear conception. And the conception can come in the midst of the work. And the conception uh, includes a variety of sources. Uh, the, the, the sources within that conceptions are multiple. Um, paintings don't tell one story, they tell many. And this is true also of uh, representational work, not only of abstraction. Uh, but then with abstraction, then t the uh, paintings tell many stories all at the same time. And from, from all this, instead of mayhem, what you want is a clear resolution, a unity, a fullness in the work. Uh, and, um, and so conception is the most important thing. And this conception is formed from many things, um, uh, from um, a variety, can come from a variety of sources. And, and, um, and then the second important thing about uh, each painting or, 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 or diptych or triptych in the show is the structure. They discover structure. They, they all discovered paintings and, uh, and the structure that I refer to is the kind of structure that develops over time uh, that I cannot um, decide on in advance. Uh, no matter how much I can think it through, it happens through the painting of it, uh, more than through the thinking of it. But thinking comes into it, so the conception from the thinking and the doing all happen together. And I'm not sure if I told you this in a previous interview, but it just occurs to me that um, a, a perfect word that explains um, the creative process um, uh, comes from Latin Americans. Um, they, um, a Latin American writer, Eduardo Galliano, um, uh, in terms of creativity and writing his books, uh, used the word called sentipensante, uh, thinking and feeling at the same time. Um, and and um, and this needs, this is always needed with painting. Now, so the first thing is conception, which comes from a variety of sources, and we company it down to one thing only, because paintings can't ever just tell one story, even when representational. The second thing is structure, and in my case, it is a structure developed gradually over time, and some paintings are more reluctant and reveal themselves with greater reluctance, but in a way that, that gives me greater depth in, or intensity, that then, uh, when then other works can come on the back of them, yeah, can flow on the back of those that, that have, have worked harder to earn their keep. And then the last thing would be the way anything is painted. And the way uh, the, way, uh, the paint, the uh, texture, um, all of that uh, sits within the structure and within the conception of the work in itself it will just be an empty declaration of paint. It will make, it will make no sense. It, um, it will not be... Um, I would not have the... Um, I would not, uh, well, if anything, I would, not, I would not be interested in painting, a painting that, that's just about paint. Uh, if anything, that's the least important thing. And so and maybe um, one thing to say is that though I'm aware that in my paintings um, there is texture and this body of paint um, and there is a lot of pigment that I use, um, it is really, what I'm working with is this really the simultaneity of presence and absence. 
uh, and it is the absent passages in the work, we, you know, all the way going back to the Rowlinan of the work, and you'd have that in other paintings probably more than here. Um, the corners of the work, the, the, um, uh, all, all, all of them are um, as much of an are as important or crucial to, to the realization or the resolution of the work as, as it is the body of paint. And um, uh, one is not more important than, than the other. So it is constantly this simultaneity of um, presence and absence uh, and uh, this constant move in my work, which is what is very challenging and I find very difficult at times uh, or often, um, or very often, it is this um, constant move between suddenness and, and stretching a slow passage in a painting, slowing, uh, uh, stretching a, um, an open passage in a painting alongside this, um, uh, this suddenness, the suddenness with which forms emerge or locate themselves in space. And I'm aware of the fact that uh, when I paint for quite a long time, uh, forms may not have either the fullness um, I might have, um, uh, or, or they they fight with each other and then don't they don't sit uh, they don't uh, sit in the right relationship to each other, and the fullness comes from the simultaneity um, of absence and presence of the open passages in the work uh, and and the and the body as well as the as the painted passages and the body of paint, uh, so it's very much fullness in the sense that Sartre under, understood it uh, when he said that fullness is emptiness given direction. Because really, what you want is a direction. All along, from the start, um, you want the conception, you want the structure, and the paint doesn't even come into it to start with. Um, so if anything, what I've been trying to move away from is professionalism, a professional-looking painting, manierism, and return back uh, to the original purity and to the immediacy, um, to the immediacy and um, a sense of freshness you have at the beginning of the beginning. And do you find when you talk about direction, is that something that evolves as time progresses? Yes. Or is that something that you have? That you have in your mind from the beginning. You can have. I can have in in my mind many directions and the times and the times and, po and possibilities. Uh, uh, I do research or possibilities or ideas. I write down. Um, I'm, I write down uh, a verse, a line, uh, or something. Uh, um, something that moves me or I connect with. Uh, they don't always um, come to be used then, or sometimes they never get to be used. Um, the, uh, and I can start from any number of things at the beginning of a work. Um, and as the work progresses, that clarity of direction uh, comes through either, well, like with that series, The Torch in My Ear, to, uh, it, the, the, the direction was inaccessible to me and tangled up uh, in paint uh, for more than six months. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, a, a two of the six paintings open the possibility uh, by um, uh, bringing to mind a book I've read in 1990, in the 1990s, uh, The Torch in My Ear. Something that happened in the way I was working, something that um, led to a clarity of my space. Well, I began scraping off, and that, that immediately gave freshness and energy to my, to my, to my surface. It also connected me to something that, uh, something happened in that process of scraping off that, that brought to mind uh, Canetti's The Torch in My Ear works. And it was brought on, the title was brought on by the clarity and light that was emerging or coming up in the painting as I was scraping off. For six months, I worked on and on on those works, and everything I did with them 
felt right. The paint was sitting in the right way on them. But yet they, were, they, they weren't telling me anything. I, wasn't, I couldn't connect to anything they were saying. And when I began, as, as soon as I began to scrape them off, they, um, their direction was, uh, became accessible to me. And it came through a memory uh, of something, through the memory of a title of something I've read long uh, before. So you never really know where it's going to, to come from because um, it is, ah, uh, they say that there is um, explicit knowledge and tacit knowledge. Yeah? Um, I can understand and learn things explicitly that won't help my painting. The knowledge you need in painting, obviously, it's, it's tacit. Uh, you deal with perception, with sharpening the, or your perception. And it is because of this that I think it is very important that um, uh, my, uh, my uh, weeks uh, uh, go to a seven-day-a-week uh, work routine, and they are repetitious, and they are circular, and they are insistent, because it is only through this insistence that I can break through the other side and find, uh, find a direction. It can come, um, it doesn't always need to take as long, but, but, but it probably does. Uh, but it probably does with the first works in a series, uh, and, then, and, and then other works can come on the back of them. And I, I think with this series, you had a, a, a bit of a break in between from when you first started them and then you finished them. Yes. Uh, well, it is what I've learned over the years. Um, I uh, completed a number of works, uh, the triptych behind me being one. Um, it was all done. And in a way, I had the works I needed for the show. Uh, but it was clear to me that um, I needed to uh, fill up Again, I needed to recharge, and um, I've learned sometimes in the 1990s, probably late 90s, that the best way for me is to get on a plane and go away, uh, because it takes a while to recover from an intense work period. It's not, um, I just wanted to maybe say something very important. With abstraction, people often think it's about excitement and joy and creativity, but that doesn't come into it. You can't run away with excitement or you are lost or deluded, uh, you know, joy can come into it, but the moment you give in to it, um, and they, that, can, um, that can double the, um, what is possible with painting, and you need some of that, but you can never run away with it because you either lose the work or you, or you delude yourself. And that's always very possible with painting because paintings can throw to you potential that hasn't yet realized on canvas, but you fantasize that it has. Um, so there are days when I go out of fear, fantasizing that I already have a work, when I know deep down that I don't have it yet. Um, and, uh, and then the following day you come to the, to the grim realization that you're a long way, but that re realization is not, it's also the satisfaction in knowing that you roll up your sleeves and you're headed for a long, very long time working. There is good satisfaction in that because painting is all about that. It is in the doing that it comes through now, uh, going, back, going back to your question, yes, in the 90s, in the early 90s, uh, there were wonderful exhibitions overseas, uh, Titian being one of my favorite painters, and um, there was a Titian exhibition at the National Gallery, uh, maybe 94, maybe later, and I didn't, I didn't go to that because I had so much work to do and the show coming. But then, but then something happened and I got unwell and I couldn't work. And, uh, and I wasted two or three months while the trip would have done me a lot of good. So I've learned, I've learned to, to stop. Oh, I've learned, I don't always stop at the right time, but I've learned to stop and deal with the aftermath 
of an intense working process. And as we said, it is not about excitement. The excitement in the work comes from finding a new reality in the work and from the logic and intelligence that develops in a painting. It doesn't come from the painter. If you run away with it, you really lose the work. You need to concentrate and focus. It's the most important thing painting uh, needs, the focus and concentration of the painter. Um, uh, so after intense periods of time, there is a point when you can, more, can lose that concentration. And, and um, while I like concentrating on painting, I find that what is very good for me is to concentrate for, on paintings in museums. It sharpens my perception, and people ask if it's inspiring. Of course it is, but I don't think it does. I don't think inspiration is the right word. Uh, I think it, they energize me. They confirm uh, my effort. Um, they confirm what I left behind. They can confirm the direction with the work um, I'm, I'm doing. But most, most of all, uh, I fill up the I fill up again. You know, I fill the tank, and when I come back, re-energized to and, and detached uh, to see uh, more cle with more with, with more clarity um, and and uh, with more strength. Yeah. There is only that much your body will allow you to do. So in a, in a recent interview, you said that it's the, it's the subtle areas in the work that gives the painting its life. What do you mean by the subtle areas? Where there's not as much activity? Is that what you mean? Oh, the areas that are not as much activity are, are, are vital. Um, uh, for example, I mean, I could, we could take it back to my work, but, it, but it, this comes to mind now, so I might as well uh, say it. Um, when I was in Munich this year, there was a Caravaggio exhibition, Caravaggio in his times. Um, and there were four Caravaggios there, uh, three outstanding large Caravaggios. And I did my um, end of the, um, end of the uh, history of art uh, diploma course on Caravaggio. When I was seven, uh, well, I was older than 17, but uh, I was... Um, um, completely taken by the drama and the power of the work when I was 17. So I did my, my, uh, uh, my paper for the art history on Caravaggio and I stopped looking and well, I, haven't, um, I haven't concentrated so much on him for the past number of years. Um, and this show reminded me why I was so interested at the start, uh, but also it was Caravaggio in his time. So I entered the room where there was one uh, great Caravaggio, uh, the, um, uh, the, um, the deposition of Christ, um, and, um, and, and the contemporaries. And the Caravaggio was, uh, the standard of, of Caravaggio was up there. Uh, there was no comparison with anything else in the room. Uh, and there is uh, Mary Magdalene uh, in, uh, as, as one of the characters, the protagonist in the painting. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the painting, um, uh, you have a large expanse of ground. You have a large expanse of open ground up on the, on the left-hand side of the work. A, lo a, lot, a lot of the work. Um, and, uh, and that space is completely activated um, by the um, surging hand of Mary Magdalene uh, that fills up the open area. So the activity happens elsewhere in the painting, yet all of the, all of the what, what one might want to call a negative space is completely activated by the, by the drama that happens elsewhere. So uh, without that open space, Without that um, uh, that open space or that open ground, which is painted, but it was still an open ground with a lot of depth within it, uh, the drama of the figures would be theatrical, 
uh, all great uh, figurative paintings said that um, the, the, the connection, the interaction between all the elements of the work, and that includes the slow passages, or very much the slow passages, are what give the, give the, the painting its power. It's the subtle areas that do. In that uh, lies his, his, uh, his greatness, in the, in the fact that they were intelligent painting and, uh, paintings and um, the ultimate structure of the work uh, involves all the open areas in the painting. Otherwise, um, it is you know, what attracts me to Titian. It is, I find them uh, very abstract in their understanding uh, of, of space and they create power through open pa passages in a painting. Now, as I have this behind me, um, there is a lot of subtlety that leads to the, to the raw linen here. Um, uh, they are steps of passages of previous layers yeah? that, that got, um, uh, well, um, that they, they didn't get obliterated, but they are veiled by, by drips of paint or by previous layers or uh, by transparencies of other layers. Um, now, all of those areas that are subtle create, um, bring, give the steps in space and create depth. Um, if we go from the raw linen all the way to the characters of maroons that began to form here, without the transitions of subtle areas, um, you, you will not have, um, the, 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 my, my protagonist will not leave lift of the, of, the, of the canvas. There would be no, no hovering of the, there would be no interest. Uh, so the structure of the work, sure, is given by the architecture of the work, and the architecture of the work is something we first see. Uh, you see the, um, I want to call them energy units of, of maroons or magenta in this case. Um, the, you have the energy units uh, hovering or shifting or locating themselves in space within this ground and then you have other subtle areas that lead all the way to the ground and it is through those uh, leading passages that my main protagonist can function uh, otherwise they will not be functioning it will be a dysfunctional family um, so it really so painting really is about the interaction it is an interaction between, between all the characters. Uh, we did uh, cover that in other interviews, Maria, um, about um, relationships and connections, but maybe a better word is interaction. Everything needs to interact. And they interact at different paces because of the slow areas, because of the stretching of an open area, or because, uh, because of an open corner in the work. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it is um, the, the corners are not left open uh, for no reason. They need to be there to energize the space, to place everything else in motion. Uh, when, they not, when they don't um, interact well with the rest of the work, then obviously they, don't, they are not left open anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also I noticed um, in comparison to your um, Under the Iron of the Moon show, there's, there seems to be more drawing in this, or that you can see the drawing uh, more uh, yes. in the final result yes. than yes. you did in those, those paintings. Yes, we, and we did touch on that before. I, I did say that there is a lot of drawing even in the paintings where it's not apparent or it, no, none of it is left. Uh, it's always been, drawing has always been, um, well, um, at the backbone of the work. Um, uh, so it is behind everything I do. But uh, what has happened more and more lately is that paintings began to function in a way like the collages. They, they began to bridge the gap uh, between, between painting and drawing. And in that sense, 
um, yes, as just as collage did for me um, in the 1980s uh, or 1990s, uh, 80s probably. Um, so, uh, so uh, a drawing as a way also not not letting the work um, slip into a surface illusion of paint, uh, not not letting the work become just an empty declaration of paint, drawing as a way of connecting back to the ground. But in doing that, by drawing or excavating back into the ground, I don't pressure, I don't get precious. And and drawing and, and writing, though it's no longer legible and some of the words um, or letters are covered in the midst of the painting process, um, are powerful bearers of meaning. Uh, so it's a way of returning back to meaning, and um, or not losing sight of meaning, or adding more meaning. So the power of the paintings, um, uh, both as an aesthetic experience and uh, as communication, resides in this multiplicity. Um, and I need this other voice in the work. Uh, and so it is because of this that, um, uh, that drawing... Um, that the stages of my drawing began to work. I suppose, I suppose, and very importantly, I wasn't ready uh, to allow the drawing to to function together with the painting in the in the 1990s, for example. So I was working on bodies of drawings and bodies of paintings, and they were uh, uh, needing each other. It was a very important part of my work, but they weren't. Um, uh, but they weren't coming together, and they started to come together uh, because the work allowed for this. Because uh, it became more accessible to me to work with everything at once. Um, it was a great. It is a challenge working wet in wet with maroon and white, and retaining the light and clarity of the of of the white, and then retaining the depth of the maroons or of the violets. Um, it's a, um, so I wasn't ready for it. I couldn't do this uh, five years ago, four years ago even. Uh, it gradually, I gradually had to, um, it grows from the older work. It, they were, um, this palette, this rich palette was happening in individual works in 2007, 2008, uh, but I couldn't sustain it over an entire series. Uh, they remain individual experiences that I couldn't sustain. Why couldn't you sustain uh, Because you need to go through all the intermediate parts to do that, because the work I did last year and the year before all led me to this. It's all connected. Uh, you can't jump. Uh, you, uh, you can't jump, uh, you can't jump st uh, steps and then you don't know them. I mean, it's not that you know them in advance. You you uh, you visualize something uh, that might be possible in years down the track. Uh, and this uh, that I'm doing now uh, was somewhere on the back of my mind long time before I could actually do it. Um, but you can't just put it on. You need to work through a number of things be before that is possible. Um, and um, and so it is because of this reason that working every day is very important. Through intense periods of time, especially when work is beginning to show a direction, uh, for me it is very important that uh, my week is repetitive and it is a seven-day-a-week um, uh, studio. Um, and uh, because it is only through that, through this insistence, that I can break through the other side. Uh, because really, you don't just want painting as a, I don't want painting as an aesthetic experience or a professional-looking painting. I wouldn't be able to do it, I don't think, because I wouldn't, my heart wouldn't be in it. Um, uh, you, you want... Um, uh, you want to put you put their existence on the line every time to allow them to happen, um, and then that's the connection to literature. That's the connection to drawing. Uh, giving up a beautiful passage of 
of painting that just happened and drawing into it uh, is um, resisting uh, something uh, that could be aesthetically just pleasing, but where the meaning is not yet there. If the work, if the work earns its salt and finds its unity, its fullness, um, and it finds its clarity, which is the most important thing through which comes its light, um, then it will have uh, then it will have the then the other side takes care of itself. I don't need to worry about that. As a matter of fact, the more you worry about this, um, the more if I were to worry about aesthetics, I wouldn't be able to produce a thing. Uh, I need I need to keep it grounded in something, and it is the reason why um, when I moved into the studio, my smaller series, the first smaller series, the Torch in the Year, were so inaccessible to me and so tangled up in paint that no good, but they weren't. Con I couldn't connect to them because they lacked a connection to the world. They lacked a connection to reality, to a reality. And sure, the reality that develops in the work is entirely their own, and it's entirely abstract. Now, what's been of concern to me, increasingly so for the last, well, possibly 20 years, but increasingly so for the past 15, uh, was um, to complete paintings that still have the, f uh, this, that are still in the midst of happening, uh, to to, compl to come to um, to arrive at a uh, resolution of the work to arrive at a unified presence in the work, but still retain that emergency and immediacy of the beginning, um, still have that mist of happening feel about them. And that has been a very, a very challenging, especially doing that with a new, with a new palette of maroons and deep uh, reds. And, um, and I was thinking, uh, just before I met you, uh, this insist the insistence of this palette, um, it's, I had very conflicting personalities on my palette at the moment, uh, working with the richness of the maroons and the pristine whites, uh, and uh, uh, wanting to have them all come together. Uh, in, in canvases that appear as if they just landed, uh, images that appear as if they just landed on canvas, uh, which has been a concern for such a long period of time. So I want to arrive at open structures that complete themselves and continue to complete themselves as we look. But the painting, the, my work is done, uh, but the work still feels in the midst of happening, has still retains or returns to the, uh, to the immediacy of the beginning. And this has been the challenging part. Now, in terms of color and the m use of the deep rich, uh, rich colors, as I wanted more and more clarity in the work, which is again has been a concern for the past 20 years, but at least for the past 10, very much so, as, as, I, as, uh, as I wanted more clarity um, in the work, uh, I began to work with more and more contrast. Uh, and you can't get more contrast than the depths of those maroons, unless you are black and white, possibly. Uh, but you wouldn't get the richness. And, um, and then, uh, I, I, and then, because of the return in the past couple of years or three years, return to literature, uh, I needed the depth uh, that that um, is possible, uh, way becomes more accessible to me through the use of the of the richness of the maroons, of the rich violets, of the rich magentas, mm -hmm. um, and and. Uh, and then, but then I'm working. I'm aware that I'm working with very conflicting personalities, and saying think something about the triptych behind me, um, they came together not, in, not because I just wanted to go bigger. It's not a question of ambition. They came together in a kind of um, precise reciprocity. 
one painting led to another and they, they, they needed to connect. Uh, it is the case also with my diptychs completed in 217. Um, it, it is uh, the two works uh, come together in a, in a precise reciprocity and you can't disentangle them anymore. Um, and so that's why, that's why the triptychs and the diptychs, uh, it is the work that demanded the connection rather than me wanting to go bigger. It is very important. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aida Tomescu. There are links in the show notes to my previous conversations with Aida about her life, but also to my conversation with her about the 20th century artist Tony Tuxen and the Tuxen exhibition at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. I've also included links to several YouTube videos which I've posted to the YouTube channel, including the short version of this episode. Also during lockdown, I've really enjoyed hosting the online interview series, The Artist Speaks, with the Art Gallery of New South Wales through the Art Gallery Society. I've already talked with Abdul Abdullah, Jude Ray and Lucy Cullerton, but there's still one more with Archibald winner and podcast guest Tony Costa, which will be on Wednesday, 20 October. It's a lunchtime Zoom webinar and you can type in questions as well, which has been a really fun side of it. You can get tickets online and I've included a link in the show notes to that as well. Thanks also to everyone who took part in and watched Lockdown Live on live Instagram. You can see replays of that series on my Instagram IGTV. I'm looking forward to starting a new series soon where people can join in and we can all connect again. Apart from Instagram, you can also follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. And thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference in getting the podcast out to more people. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Mm -hmm.